All right, listen up, ladies and gentlemen. Our podcasters have been on the run for 90 minutes. Average foot speed over uneven ground, barring injuries, is four miles per hour. These guys are losers, so let's give them two miles per hour. That gives us a radius of a few city blocks. Now, what I want from each and every one of you is a hard target search of every Ferris wheel, carousel, gondola, bounce house, hog house, steakhouse, and court knock stand in that area. Checkpoints go up three miles. Your fugitives' names are Brighton and Sean. Go get them. Well, what What is the charge? Eating a meal? A succulent Chinese meal? I'm here, Papa! Yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon. First listen to the animal man, the Snoopy Snoopy poop dog. My wife hated me being a firefighter. We were divorced nine months later. Father! If you don't mind my saying, I don't like your attitude one bit. Inspired. Six times I've now ruined my whiskey. I'm under what? I just want to do whatever serves the corporation best. Good night, Mr. Johnson. Good night. Gentlemen, this is Democracy Manifest. Recording on the run from Parts Unknown. This is World Champion Podcast, Season 3, Episode 8. My name is Brighton. And I'm Sean. We're two gentlemen who signed a lucrative contract with the mysterious Senor Oro del Burro. Now we have the pleasure of recording the greatest podcast in the world. We talk about anything and everything we feel like. Forgotten corners of pop culture, other mysteries of the world. You never know what you're going to get. We really, we just talk about whatever we want. That's right. And by forgotten corners of pop culture, maybe it's just something you forgot. Yeah, I think that's our our defense. Yeah, I used to say obscure corners of pop culture <laughs> until Star Wars month, and then Stephen King month. We're moving the goalposts. We, yeah, we really are. That's right. <laughs> it's only fair. It's yeah. Um, so last week, we just uh, were talking about, you know, whatever we felt like. Mm-hmm. And the subject of Harrison Ford's The Fugitive came up. Right. And we had some questions about that and then decided to rewatch the movie and do an episode about it. Let's and do that it. that is this episode. And in fact, this is kicking off Harrison Ford Month. So, all right. And likely you're going to be watching this movie this weekend by accident on cable anyway. Yeah, that's a good point. It is Thanksgiving weekend to mm-hmm. our listeners in the U.S. of A. So happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, we'll put this episode out Thursday morning. So maybe you're driving to your parents' house. You have something to listen to. And, uh, yeah, your parents, not to brag about your parents, you, the listener in general, they probably have cable. That's right. You don't have cable. You got rid of that years ago. You You've cut got, the cord. Yeah, you cut the cord. You've got Wi-Fi. That's all you need. But cable, the great thing about that, you're flipping through the channels. You're on TNT. What's this? Oh. Oh, this is the part where they're in the, the tunnel and he's about to jump off the waterfall. <laughs> That's always the part, too. It yeah, like. it is. Yeah. Right when you come in. I didn't kill my wife. I don't care. I don't care. So iconic. So this film, The Fugitive, came out in 1993, starring Harrison Ford, Tommy Lee Jones, directed by Andrew Davis, who really didn't do anything else noteworthy. Really? He did some Steven Seagal movies. Oh, okay. I was, uh, I, I was watching the movie more intently because we were going to talk about it, and... I was watching the kind of the directing and the way that it was shot, and it's, it was kind of interesting. Yeah, I thought so too. It was just, I, I, it didn't feel like, I, I didn't right off the bat recognize a director, like a style or a touch. Well, yeah, I mean, he, he must not have one, because here's his, his oeuvre. Okay. Um, 
Code of Silence, starring Chuck Norris. Okay. Off to a good start. Uh, Above the Law with Steven Seagal. Oh, man. Uh, the Final Terror, also known as Carnivore, and internationally known as Campsite Massacre, <laughs> with uh, Daryl Hannah and Joe Pantoliano, who, oh, wow. who is in The Fugitive. Uh, Under Siege. Yeah, this, these are some pretty big hits. Uh, the Fugitive. And then here's the weird one. Holes. Holes, really? The, the kids movie with Shia LaBeouf and Sigourney Weaver and John Voight. I've heard good things about that, actually. Oh, yeah, it's wonderful. You've seen it? Oh, yeah. The, uh, the guy that wrote the book, Louis Sakar, Sashar, whatever, mm-hmm. he wrote my favorite kids' books called the uh, Waste... What? No. Wayside School was the series. I'm not sure. Like mixed-up stories from Wayside School. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, it was a school that was accidentally built... Uh, like, they, they had the blueprints at a 90-degree angle, so they built it upright oh. with one classroom on each floor instead of the way it was supposed to be. They're really, like, absurd and surreal and okay. kind of uncomfortable in some places because they're <laughs> so dreamlike and weird. Okay. Anyway, that's, cool. that's all I have to say about that. So, did you see this movie in the theaters when it came out? I can't remember. I'm not sure. I kind of don't think I did. I was on my way to, I was at the theater. Uh-huh. With my friend. I was, uh, you know, 12 years old or whatever, mm-hmm. 13, I don't know. This was my friend, my buddy, my, my oldest and best friend. And, and uh, we get to the theater, and I'm super stoked to see The Fugitive. And for some reason, he insists instead that we see Meteor Man. Right on the spot. Yeah. He just kind of... I, like, walked up. Bait and switch. Yeah, I was like, hello, one ticket, four. And then he, like, slapped his money down and said, Meteor Man. What's, what's Meteor Man? Meteor Man is a uh, superhero movie. That's not based on any sort of existing comic okay. book property. Starring uh, Robert Townsend. Supporting roles by Marla Gibbs, Eddie Griffin, Robert Guillaume, James Earl Jones, Bill Cosby. Oh, and wait. another bad creation. I've seen this. It's very, very wholesome. I think Robert Townsend is a comedian and he was known for being wholesome. Oh, okay. Like that was his gimmick. Right. Well, Bill Cosby was in there. So. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So totally <laughs> wholesome all around. Anyway, Meteor Man's not a good movie, and I didn't see Fugitive until it was on video. Oh, man, that's... Yeah, Meteor Man's pretty bad, yeah. as I recall. Yeah, it's, it's really bad. What um, a shame. You could have been in for the ride of your life. Yeah, so, okay, I just want to get this out of the way. We talked about how we both really enjoyed this movie, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, we watch it all the time because it's always on cable. Right. But uh, watching it this time, and, and specifically with a critical eye, this movie's a masterpiece. Yeah, it's, it's really good. It's fantastic. It's, and this isn't in the ironic way. No, no. It's a, it's a good film. Yeah. It feels very... As far as it being like an action film, it kind of feels like a grown-up action film in a weird way. Right. Um, I, may, there's, not, there's not like... There's not quips. There's not a lot of macho posturing. Yeah. It uh, reminded me for some reason a little bit of Silence of the Lambs. That makes sense. It's about the same era. It just it had the same sort of, just the, I don't know, something about it just reminded me of that, the way the police dealt with each other and with the yeah. public and stuff. I bet Science of Lambs was a big influence because that would have been out when mm-hmm. they were probably prepping this movie. Right. That's really interesting. That is, and I'm going to sound very curmudgeonly, but it was an era where they would make action films not directed at teenagers. Yeah. Like, it is an action film for grown-ups. Right. Because um, even the, the, the one part that I think is a little bit of a weak point is the mystery behind why all the stuff happens. Yeah, that was, that was really like 
that was the last thing they they worked on. Yeah, like they weren't too concerned about it. And and you get into the movie, you get like an hour into the movie, and you kind of forgot there's a reason behind this. You're yeah. just like, oh, he's on the run, his wife's dead. And look yeah. at all these clever ways that he's getting away, and look at all these clever ways the police are almost catching him. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, shit. They probably were sitting around the writer's room going, wait a minute, why... Okay, we're now we're into this movie. Why did they kill his wife? Yeah, you know? yeah. Which I'm not even. Which to me, which like sadly, is what I, why I consider it an adult kind of film because I found the plot confusing. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, I'm still unclear. <laughs> I, I'm still sort of unclear on on the specifics. Well, let's work that. it out. Let's get into it. Yeah, let's get into this. So, so of course, this movie is based on a television show that ran from 1963 to 1967. Uh, basically the same plot. Dr. Richard Kimball, falsely convicted in his wife's murder, sentenced to death. Uh, his train derails, just like in this movie. And then basically every episode... I've actually... I've never seen a single minute of this show. I haven't e- yeah. either. I've always heard about it. I know my parents would always talk about it because it was just a sensation. Uh, but it sounds like every episode he's in a new town. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. It's like the Incredible Hulk TV show. It's exactly that. He's in a new town. He finds uh, someone in distress and tries to help them. And then his past catches up with him. Yes, there, and okay. there's, there's always someone in the town who, know, who figures out who his identity. Is. Right. And then that plays into it. And then there's a little romance with, with someone. And, mm-hmm. and then he moves on, chasing this one-armed man. In the show, from what it sounds like, uh, the couple was really having some problems. Oh, okay. And they, weren't, they weren't desperately in love like Harrison Ford. Yeah, and... in, the, in the movie, they're, they're a pretty stable couple. So that's even more damning. For the TV show. They kind of should have done that. It would have been interesting. Because I feel like their, their proof that he's guilty once we get into the trial is a little weak. It is. It really <laughs> is. And then he gets the death penalty. Now, he's a rich guy. Yeah. So isn't, aren't rich people not supposed to get convicted? Well, that's suspension of disbelief right there. That's yeah. when you've got to be like, oh, this is just a fantasy. Yeah. They're, the rich guy's going to jail. Although in Utah, there's several high-profile cases of doctors killing their wives and oh, trying to cover it up. And it's true. So Day- Dateline NBC is all over that. According to that point of view, we could, if we had the doctor's point of view, it's like the fugitive. Yeah. He's, there's, it's a one-armed man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, this, it was this whole thing about adoption. So here, here, let me read you the plot of the, the TV show. Uh, Richard Kimball, respected pediatrician, uh, but it is generally known that he and his wife have been having arguments. Her pregnancy ended in a stillborn birth of a son. Whoa. Surgery to save her life rendered her infertile. This is intense. Yeah. Helen refused to consider adopting children as Richard wanted. On the night of Helen's murder, the Kimballs had been heard arguing heatedly over this topic. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's really, that's really heavy for 1963. I know. That really is. I'm surprised. Uh, but in The Fugitive, the movie, they're just, they're just a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, really, and you know, I'm going to say this a lot. But this, this is such efficient storytelling. Mm-hmm. I don't want to sound too pretentious about it, but I was blown away. Uh, within the first five minutes, we establish uh, that it's in Chicago. Right. No question that we're in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, we see the murder happen. We establish that Richard Kimball is well-respected and rich and very competent and good at his job. Uh, we establish that they have a good relationship when you see them being all playful in the car and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we establish that he doesn't quite go in for the fancy trappings of his colleagues because he's at the yeah. party. He's kind of uncomfortable. He's right. being very Harrison Fordy, mm-hmm. like he does. Yeah. Um, speaking of Harrison Fordy, while you're talking about that real quick, 
I, I want to point out, I noticed how much acting he did that was just kind of expressive, not lines, yeah. but looking around, how much physical acting. Yeah. And it was so Harrison Ford. It was it so... It really was, yeah. It was so interesting to watch. And even his little, um, that Harrison Ford half smirk thing. Yeah. Um, we see that a lot when he's trying to interact with people and be nonchalant. Yeah. Um, so we established the one-armed man in the, in the interrogation. Uh, we established clearly that he's the only suspect. Mm-hmm. Um, we see his fiery passion when he's pointing in the cop's face. And he's saying, you find this man. Mm-hmm. Point, um, pointing at, uh, point acting? Didn't we talk about that one Point time? acting? Yes, Harrison Ford's a point actor. He's a point, he points and acts. He points in people's faces. I didn't even make that connection, but we have talked about that before. Yeah, in the past. Yeah. I, I thought of it right in that scene, because yeah. that, that's probably his best point. Yeah. I, I couldn't... Let's I'd see. say it's maybe his most iconic point. It might be. Face point. I'm trying to remember if, if Han Solo or, or uh, Indiana Jones pointed at anything. I, doesn't, um, in the special edition, doesn't Han Solo point at Jabba? <laughs> I think he points at Jabba. The walking Jabba? Yeah, like, the, okay. the walking Jabba that he steps on his tail and <laughs> levitates into the air. Can you imagine working on that scene? Oh, my God. Can you imagine being the computer graphics guy, and you're, with, you're so excited you're going to work, work with George Lucas, but you're assuming you're just going to make the lasers like brighter? Yeah. And then he's like, all right, have him step on his tail. Like, well, he walks around, and that's where Jabba's tail <laughs> should be. And it's like, well, can we reorient Jabba so he's facing the direction? No. No, it, he's going to step on his tail, and it's going to look great. So this artist is like, oh, man, this is really kind of dumb. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, what should I do? Should I tell him? His whole family is really excited to yeah. go see the movie on opening night. They we want to see the scene you worked on. He's like, oh, You spent no. a year of your life on this. One year of your life. I want to see what it is, honey. No. I mean, well, I mean, how many times have you seen Star, Star Wars? Wars? It's you know, boring. You know, you know what happens. <laughs> it's really not that big a deal. And then at the end, the family's like, hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so what I like, too, is then in the courtroom flashbacks when the prosecutor's telling the story of what they believe happened. Yeah. But we, the audience, get to see what really happened. So right off the bat, we're sure. Yeah. We're, we know that he's innocent. That's we're a good juxtaposition. Now, you mentioned their... their uh, well, probable cause here. I, it, I've seen this a lot of times, but I don't remember the details. It's been years now since yeah. I've seen it. And so when they are going to show why he's guilty, the, the irrefutable yeah. evidence, mm-hmm. it just seems like it's his wife just saying his name and then he killed me. Richard. Dr. Richard Kimball. He's killing me. Because she dialed 911, she, she'd been beaten brutally. Right. It is a, a pretty brutal scene, really. It's hard to watch a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, it says his name and says he's killing me, which I guess, I mean, I don't know. I guess they don't, that, and then It's all context, though. It just seems, yeah. if you were dying and your husband was in the house, because at the trial he's saying there was a guy in my house and I yeah. was downstairs, she could, you could easily argue she was yelling out to him or saying his name like, hell, yeah. like Richard, he's killing me. And the evidence, there wasn't any evidence in favor of Richard. There was just evidence, there was just a lack of evidence of anyone else. Right. They didn't have any fingerprints. Well, I even thought the cops were a little, interrogating him were a little, yeah. <laughs> they like had no idea what to do. So they, oh, just, yeah. they just immediately just thought, let's wrap this up. This guy's, let's make him guilty. Yeah, let's just do it. And. Because their idea that he, he killed her for the life insurance policy when he's a very powerful, wealthy surgeon. Yeah. Just he had a car phone. Yeah. He, he had a phone <laughs> in his car. Yeah, in 1992. Yeah. 
I was excited for that when that yeah. happened. I was like, what's that? <laughs> Car phone. And so I, I guess that's the whole prosecution's argument. Or is, or is their entire case revolve around this 911 call? I guess that's it. And does that seem like enough for the death penalty? Is that what he got? Yeah. I, I don't know, man. <laughs> you seem like you need more evidence for the death penalty. Plus, he, they knew that he went and did emergency surgery. Right. So he, go, he does emergency surgery, and then we're supposed to believe he comes home from that. And then immediately And then it's just him. like, all right, now's the time. I want that money. Yeah. I want that life insurance money, so I'm just going... And if anything, he I'm not going to cover my tracks in any way. I'm going to just murder my wife right now and, and, and then, then call just blame, the and just and blame call, someone else. Well, yeah. I guess she called the police, but yeah. just wait for the police to get there. Was it his gun that she was shot with? Well, this is... I wasn't sure if we're going to wait till the end or not to talk about the mystery itself, but I wasn't yeah. sure why they killed his wife. <laughs> yeah, I'm still... Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that. But I think it was his gun. Yeah, because he has a gun in the house. And the, and the guy waits until she says, Richard, he's killing me, then hangs up the phone. As though that were his plan all along. <laughs> Maybe it was. Yeah, he's just that good. He's that experienced at murder. Yeah, when, when they were hiring him to, to murder the, uh, Richard Kimball's wife, yeah. he just said, now get a load of this. This yeah. is what I'm going to do. I'm going to wait till he's in the kitchen looking through the fridge casually in the middle of the night. Uh-huh. Prepare, no, preparing wine for like a romantic session. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he's, he's got glasses, and she's got rose petals down the stairs. Oh, that's right. So I'm going to wait until she's going to seduce him, and he's going to come home from emergency surgery. Well, what are you going to use to kill her? Well, I'm just going to find something in the house. He's like, don't worry about it. Something will turn up for me to kill her with. Maybe a giant marble. <laughs> I know. It is. So did he shoot her also? Then doesn't he hang up the phone and then shoots her with Richard's gun? Oh, maybe that's what it was. That he somehow found... <laughs> Quickly, too. Yeah. Yeah, so, I don't know. We're just going to have to, again, suspend our belief and pretend that a rich guy would actually go to jail for a crime. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. (laughs) It's just fiction, man. So we get our first big action set piece with this train crash. I love these uh, guys on the bus. Oh, yeah. The bus <laughs> transporting convicts. The whole crew. Yeah, and, uh, and, and then this guy's foaming at the mouth. So, so what, did they, what happened exactly? Did, did he have an Alka-Seltzer or something? He or? had some sort of pill that he slipped in. Okay. And then he starts foaming and faking a seizure. Mm-hmm. And, and then, then the new guy, yeah. the new guy's got to bumble the keys and get in there while the other guard is saying, don't go in there. Don't go in there. And then the other guard's got his shotgun and is just like, fuck it, we're on a bus <laughs> that's craning out of control. I'm going to pull his trigger as many times as it takes. Start blasting. I'm going sh- to accidentally shoot the, the bus driver. I'm going to shoot a hole in the ceiling. He I'm really not going to hit anybody. Yeah. The guy in the back that, that's part of the plan, was he doing it? He was just shooting at him. Just huh? shooting, just willy-nilly. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa! He's the, he's the worst cop. <laughs> he really is. Well, I want to talk more about him in a minute. Yeah. Oh, he, he's great. Yeah. Because <laughs> I want to know some motivation. Yeah. So I, I watched uh, The Fugitive and then immediately back-to-back watched Wrongfully <laughs> Accused, which if you haven't seen it, it's, it's worth a watch if you like The Fugitive. The scene in Wrongfully Accused when the bus wrecks, they drive onto a banana peel. Oh, no. And that's what causes it to wreck. Wrongfully Accused, that stars Leslie Nielsen? <laughs> yes. Wonderful. Is it like a straight-up, like, beat-for-beat parody? For or? the first half of it, but then it starts pulling in some other stuff. It starts making fun of a lot of different movies. I'm sure it throws in, yeah. We get some Godfather references, maybe. I can't remember what it is. Uh, a lot of Titanic, Braveheart. 
What's the other one? There's a few that it pulls in. Kind of the big movies around the 90s. Yeah, it came out in 1998. That was a long time after The Fugitive. Yeah, and it's not it's not the best of those type of, of silly, like, Naked Gun movies. Naked Gun's better, and Top Secret's better, and... and uh, Airplane. Airplane's better. Yeah, all of those are much better. This hot is, Shots. This is, yeah, even Hot Shots is a lot better. This is definitely on the low end of those. It's kind of and it's kind of the tail end when they were really in their heyday too. So this is kind of one yeah. of the death throes of that type of that genre of comedy. Yeah. So it, it half works. Half of the movie's really funny, but then half is pretty bad. Mm. So anyway, anyway, so what? So what? Oh, they wrecked because the the guy. I was the reason I brought up the banana peel yeah. is I couldn't remember why they wrecked, but the the crazy guard blasts the other guard in the head. He shoots the bus driver. That's right. Blows his brains all over the windshield. Yeah. And then there's the callback to Raiders of the Lost Ark, the uh, throw me the idol, I'll give you the whip. Oh. And then Adios, Senor, where the guy says, kiss my ass, Doc. The oh, guy with the keys. Okay, interesting. I didn't even <sighs> pick up on that. And so what did you think of the stunts? I thought it was good. It was clear what was happening. You could definitely tell that it was Harrison Ford mm-hmm. green screened in front of that train. <laughs> but even for green screen, it looked pretty good. It looked pretty good. It's a pretty cool stunt, the guy jumping right when the... The yeah, train hits. Yeah, like it still looks cool. It just seems almost quaint with how advanced they've gotten at blowing oh, yeah. stuff up nowadays. Twenty yeah. years later, like one Transformers movies is, has a hundred stunts more impressive. Well, nowadays they could do or it Fast and, they, and the Furious or something. They wouldn't even need Harrison Ford to show up at the office. They'd just right. say, "Oh, we got this," and just right, a right. CGI Harrison Ford. Uh huh. So I thought, that, yeah, I thought it was pretty cool too. Now this is the the moment where where my first note is. Ah. And it's, it's just a, because of the title of the movie, it's a foregone conclusion what is going to happen. <laughs> yeah. But I had a moment where, the, where I was watching thinking, when did he decide to, to become a fugitive? Because there's, oh, yeah. there's not a shot of Harrison thinking of like him going, should I go or stay? It's just immediately like the bus is wrecked. Let's escape. Yeah. And I'm thought, just going to run into thought, the woods yeah. and hope for the best. I thought that was interesting because he kind of went through the rest of the whole legal process just like kind of a broken man. Like yeah. He did, it's not like he, he could have ran before the trial and tried to solve the crime. Yeah. So I, I'm curious what moment, I guess it was just, you know, seize the opportunity. I think when you jump off a bus seconds before it gets hit by a massive freight train, mm-hmm. you're just on adrenaline. So he was just running he's, to burn off some, some of the, the yeah, zoomies. Yeah. You've got, he's got that runner's high. Yeah. So he's just running to His keep going. His heart's panicking. I'd probably do that. Just start yeah, running. That's true. You probably would just start running, huh? Yeah. You'd be so, you would be frazzled from adrenaline. Yeah. You're like, okay, I was on my way to the electric chair. <laughs> okay, in, in, a, in a span of three and a half minutes, I was on my way to prison where I would spend the rest of my life until I was killed by the electric chair. Then suddenly there was a gun battle. Yeah, in front of me. Then I, the bus crashed and then a train hit it. Seconds before I was able to jump off, I had to jump from a very high place. Right. I'm not used to jumping. Yeah, what a night. Yeah. It's that like, would be I'm running. Yeah. I'm you, going. Would just, you would just run. That yeah. would be an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. Wow, I didn't put it, think of it that way, but he probably wasn't even thinking of escaping. He was just running. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. I feel better about that. Yeah, it wasn't until the next morning when he got to the town and saw the hospital sign that he was thinking, wait, hospitals. I know my way around a hospital. Right. Well, and okay, now hmm. A lot of thinking to do on those on, on that run. Yeah. Okay. So th- this bonehead cop that shot the other cop driving the bus. Yeah. He doesn't think he gets interviewed 
by a local who's the so who it's like the he, chief of police or something who was the one guy so so Tommy shows up Tommy Lee Jones shows up and instantly now I knew that he won an Oscar for this oh you did oh I was going to ask you about that I couldn't yeah. remember but I, yeah. I thought this is a quite a performance oh yeah as soon as he shows up from first line yeah it's like okay I get it I get why he won the Oscar this mm-hmm. is just ma- magnificent it really He's is so I mean his character is super like cool. Uh-huh. Just the coolest you could possibly be. He's kind of deadpan. He's sort of sarcastic. He's got a sense of humor, but yeah. it's real dry. But he's also really serious yeah. and, and really focused. Cares about his team, but he also yeah. does what it takes. Like does like there's some dark moments with him. Oh yeah, very <laughs> much so. But then he busts his balls. Of, I mean, busts the balls of everyone else. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so he shows up, and this is a trope that I love. This is one of my favorite things in movies. Is when the competent professional shows up. Oh, yes. And usually it's a cop or a detective or a, some sort of cleaner. And I love it when it's delayed a bit. They're not, they're not there right from the start of the movie. Like, if you go back and watch the first episode of Twin Peaks, mm-hmm. Dale Cooper shows up, like, 45 minutes into it. Does he? And it's the same thing where they kind of come sweeping in and you get this sense of, like, all right, now shit's going to get taken care mm-hmm. of. So he goes and talks to the chief, and the chief is, is look at this hero! This fat Mario-looking guy. <laughs> well, that's what my question is: is is what was his plan? Because he he initially says that that Doctor Richard Kimball's dead. Yeah. And the other guard is dead. And what was the what was his plan on this lie? I think he was just hoping that the remains would not be identifiable. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I mean that's it. And then he what did he he heroically dragged his partner to safety? Right. That he didn't do. He yeah. He left his partner. Yeah. Which you don't really get a huge payoff for that. Yeah. Now that I think about it. I this guy, <laughs> this cop looks exactly like the Muppet that is always a customer at businesses that Grover works for. Right. He does. Less blue. Yeah, he's less blue. But other than that, <laughs> same guy. The, yeah, just imagine that guy. <laughs> or or like, like you said, like Super Mario Brothers if he was a human. Right, which he's not. Yeah, clearly. So yeah, okay. I was just curious what yeah. the, where where this this cop was probably talking, and his brain was like, "What are you saying? Where are you going with this?" Well, you know what? It's the same as Harrison Ford running. Right. He he just also went through a pretty traumatic experience. That's true. Okay. Again, th- th- I feel better about this immediately. Just autopilot. You're in he shock. Is, yeah. He is like frazzled. Doesn't know yeah. what to do. That was intense. Almost died. Had yeah. a gun. But he killed. He just killed some people, including an innocent man. Yeah. But he murdered his one of his colleague. He murdered one of his own colleagues. Murdered his friends and colleagues. Like he's not going to sleep well. No. Okay. Yeah, it's. Just I'll give shock, him a pass man. on just. He Everyone's just, just in. He shock. has no idea what he's saying. But then they find those shackles. Yeah. Care to revise your bullshit story? <laughs> I'm, I'm taking over this investigation. Yep. Um, topless Harrison Ford alert. So he. So uh, before we get to that, that's, yeah. that's true. Yeah. How old is Harrison Ford in this? Um, let's see. I bet... I'm guessing 48. 48. That sounds pretty good. Uh, 51. Oh, 50 wow. or 51. Maybe we've been 50 when they were filming it. He is fit. He's fit as a fiddle. You ever seen a 51-year-old that looks like that? Yeah, um, once. When yeah. I was watching The Fugitive. Yeah, exactly. Once yeah. today. Once yeah. yesterday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was thinking, wow, good for you, man. Yeah, I want to make a, a super cut of, of shirtless Harrison Ford scenes because they're always a little weird because even though he's incredibly fit, he's not like one of those Brad Pitt, like, ripped athlete-looking yeah. guys. He's still, like, a fit older man. He's fit in so a cool way, So it's just kind of weird. Yeah. He's fit, in a, he, he's fit in a way 
that it doesn't look like he is trying to be fit. Yeah. Like you watch any Chris Hemsworth movie. I just watched Thor Ragnarok. Oh yeah. And every one of those, actually, I watched all three Thors this last week. And every one of those has a scene where Chris Hemsworth walks around without a shirt. Yeah. And he looks like he's been stung by bees all over the place. Yeah. He is swollen. He is cut in all these weird ways. And he has an amazing body, but, but it looks like he's trying real hard. Well, that is something that, that bugs me about modern movies is because, of course, every actor has to be in peak physical condition. Yeah, right. Actor and actress, they've got to have a six-pack. Mm-hmm. But it, a lot of the times... That doesn't fit the character. Right. It's right. like, you know, it's two uh, computer programmers on the run, and then they're in the motel, and it's raining. Mm. And then they, they, uh, they start getting romantic, and they both take their shirts off, and they look like Olympic athletes. Right. Like, like gods. Yeah. Like, like where, Greek wait, gods. Where is this uh, particle physicist finding time to do so many crunches? That's what I'm thinking, too. You, to have bodies like that, you're working out seven days a week for a couple hours a day, and yeah. you're super crazy strict about your diet. Yeah. So, I guess it is so possible. It makes, it makes sense for Thor. It makes sense for Thor. He, he's literally a god. Yeah. But Harrison Ford in this is fit in like a cool old school way. Right. You like can, James I mean, Dean or something. He's a surgeon, so he probably, before work, he gets up at five. He goes and plays uh, racquetball. Oh, yeah. Squash. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. He fit the character. Yeah, totally. So, he goes and stitches himself what up. What do you think women, women find more attractive? To be like Chris Hemsworth or to be like Harrison Ford? Because it's probably Harrison Ford, right? I mean, I would think so, just based on what I've heard over the years. Right. That's anecdotally. Anecdotally. And, of course, everyone's going to enjoy different things. But Harrison Ford, besides just having that great bod, this is one of the weirder conversations we've ever had on the show, (laughs) by the way. (laughs) I was so into it, I didn't even notice. I know. I want to get um, the truth. I want the truth to come out. Yeah. Well, here's the part where us two white men tell, <laughs> explain what all women find attractive. Because obviously, we know. We both, look, not to brag, not to yeah. brag, besides having cable <laughs> as children and Nintendos, mm-hmm. we both have girlfriends. Right. So we know, we know what's up. Mm-hmm. We, know, we know what they want. <laughs> Harrison Ford's got, uh, besides having a body that's attractive to look at, though, he's got that like rugged strong thing. I'd imagine a woman's watching that and is just like, I, I would feel safe in his arms. Mm-hmm. Now, Thor, it's like, wow, hubba hubba. Right. But, you know, it doesn't necessarily have those other qualities that, you know, you want to watch Harrison Ford, like, build a fence in your backyard. Yeah. In your suburban home while you sip uh, chai. Right. Okay. I'm well, assuming. The- I, I don't, I also, I don't know if we have any women that listen to the show. <laughs> but if there are, uh, comment on our Facebook page. Yeah. Don't email us. I don't check our email. Yeah. It gives me anxiety. Harrison, comment on our Facebook page. Chris or Harrison? Yeah. <laughs> so. What was I going to I was going to ask you about the scene right before, but now I forgot because we got so. T- well, so he's running. He, gets, he finds the other guy who at this point does give him the keys. And he says, I don't care what you do. I'm going this way. You go any other way but this. Mm-hmm. So he's running. He, goes, he finds some small town and goes to the hospital where he steals a bedridden man's lunch. There's so many points where he almost gets caught. And I guess that's the whole point of the movie. But this one in the hospital I thought was a pretty funny one. Where yeah. he's in the bathroom and he pulls the door. He hides behind the door. And it works. I, I kind of yeah. don't think that would work. You know what you could do is take that scene and just re-edit it with more quirky music. Oh, yeah. Not change anything about the scene and then yeah. it is a comedy. You put yeah. in music that's like, doom, doom, doom. Yeah. Doom, doom, For sure. Doom, For sure. Doom. Doesn't he steal the guy's food? Yeah, he, he makes and a, his clothes. He, he makes a he makes like a potato salad sandwich or something. He yeah, makes something very weird and licks every one of his fingers. Yeah, 
Because he has, at this point, he hasn't eaten in 24 hours. That's, that's true. Perhaps, yeah. And then he's walking down the hall, and this is the worst undercover. Because he shaves I his beard it. at this point. I love this so much. It's yeah. so, it's pointing, it's like what a guilty guy does to point out. He, he literally points out that he shaves. Uh-huh. So the guy, he's I walking down a hallway. He's just shaved and put on this old man's clothes. He walks past another cop. Who, said, who stops him and says, hey, doctor, you've seen this guy? And he literally has a photo of Harrison Ford yeah. with a beard. And I guess this beard is, is like Clark Kent's, Clint, or Clark Kent's glasses. Yeah, totally. Because he just, have you seen, like, even if you just looked at the photo and you didn't know him, you would know it was him. And why is this cop asking him in the first place? <laughs> also, this, this cop is almost as good a cop as the shotgun guy. Right. <laughs> because then... The cop tell, asks him, have you seen this guy? And Harrison Ford says, every time I look in the mirror, pointing out that he looks like the guy, and then says, besides the beard, of course, pointing yeah, that's, out that's my favorite. that the beard's yeah. gone. Yeah, because he describes him. He says, this guy, uh, six foot tall, 180 pounds, <laughs> 51 years old, <laughs> right. doctor. Have you ever seen this guy? It is, though. It's hiding in plain sight. You're throwing him off. But if, it's if he had so been like, over uh, the top. I uh, no, I don't know what you're talking about. But it's just, you know, hey, I'm a doctor. I don't have time for this shit. The yeah, way- I've seen that guy every time I look in the mirror. Except for the beard, of course. <laughs> <laughs> That's the line. Except for the beard, of course. This is where... As I'm, he gestures... Yeah, as he points it to his face, yeah. minus the beard and how much he looks. Every day that I look in the mirror. So I look exactly like this guy, and I've shaved. Except his face where he shaved five minutes ago. Right. He's probably got little nicks. His face is red. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that he slapped some brood on like Home Alone afterwards. If, I'm going to be armchair director here, and I'm, I'm going to say they, what they should have done is had him walk past the cop, about to get out the door, and then the cop goes, hey, wait a minute, buddy. Yeah. And then go, like, say hi to my partner. No, that does happen. Oh, does it? Remember, he's walking away, and the guy goes, hey, wait, doc. Oh, it does happen? Yeah, he flies down. Oh, that's right. So he's walking away, and the guy goes, wait a minute, doctor. And then Harrison Ford looks wide-eyed, and he does this gesture oh, so I about take, a zipper, and then he pulls right, the zipper That's up. right. Yeah. I take it back. He, yeah. he knew what he was doing. Yeah. That director knew what he was doing. Oh, totally. That's, that's, a, that's a pro there. Uh, we get our waterfall scene now. Big chase, helicopters. He's in a stolen ambulance. Yeah. It, it, this is the first moment in the film where I felt like all this work was for nothing. Because yeah. you're rooting for him. There's been 20 minutes of him going through the water, you know, running, escaping the train wreck, shaving, getting up, tricking this police officer, and then they're immediately know where he is. Yeah. <laughs> which and, is good, uh, which is actually what's cool about this movie, because the cops are always one step behind him. But just barely. Barely. And they're pretty Sometimes good in cops. the same room. Yeah. 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 Sometimes they'll be in the same room with him or just enter a room he just exited. Yeah. Over and over. Yeah, these, these U.S. Marshals. Because, you know, they figure out the, the L train thing. And That's a cool scene. Yeah. And I, I don't know how, it seems like a trope now, but at the time, I don't know how new of an s- idea that was. Yeah, it is a CSI thing. It's, it's almost like the, where they're it's looking very, at security oh, camera footage and they very, say enhance. It is the, yeah, that is exactly like every crime scene show. Yeah. Enhance, that, enhance. And they're doing that with the sound. And so, then figuring so, out the train stop. That's yeah. pretty cool. And they're having a really, really good banter, too. they got a, lot, a really good mix of, of actors to play these different... Yeah, so I love this team of, of U.S. Marshals. We've got Joe Pantoliano, mm-hmm. from, famous from movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy who's the singer from Simply Red. <laughs> yep. 
and then the woman and yeah, and a couple j- other guys. The 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 guy that's not Irish. I like the guy with the mustache and the big poofy hair. Yeah. Because he has very few lines, but he really makes a big impact on his character. You kind of get the, the, a feel for what he's like. Very, very little information. Oh, yeah, that guy, um, that's the guy from Lost. Uh, he's in Lost? Who? His IMDb must be 5,000 movies. Yeah, he's in Lost. He was like Professor Arnst, and he blew up with dynamite. Huh. He sh- he's, you know how Lost would always do that where every season there'd just be a bunch of new people and we had to act like they were there the whole time? Yeah. Uh, so he was one of those and then he exploded with dynamite. Nobody liked him. Wow, I don't even <sighs> remember him. So, uh, so this waterfall chase, the famous part, I didn't kill my wife. Why do you think these scenes had such a big impact at the time? I keep going back to were these things... If this movie came out today, would him jumping from the train and would... Uh, him jumping off the dam be cool and iconic and impressive. Yeah, it's interesting because this stuff really did get into pop culture. I mean, this oh, was yeah. on, you know, Simpsons would do takes on these, the mm-hmm. speech about the doghouse, henhouse. Oh, yeah, that immediately just And the, I didn't tell my embraced. wife I don't care. Yeah. I'm just wondering how this would play nowadays. I still liked it a lot. I think it might, some people might think it's too slow paced or something. Yeah. But it, but that's kind of what I like, is it, it shifts gears between a an, an kind of exciting action scene and then kind of a cerebral someone figuring something out scene. Yeah, and I feel like it's just, it's tight. It's a tight movie. Mm-hmm. My problem with even movies I like, like a lot of uh, action movies and sci-fi movies and comic book movies, is there's just too many scenes of action. Mm-hmm. Like, we'd, right. we don't need a fourth car chase. Right. I don't need the big fight in the middle when I know Spider-Man's not going to... I know nothing's going to get resolved 45 minutes into the movie when there's this 15-minute-long fight scene. That's true. And it, it did feel very natural, all the action scenes felt. Like they were a good spot in the, the film, and they, they didn't feel like overkill. Um, it was the top movie at the box office for six weeks. Okay. Which uh, is unheard of now, because even the biggest blockbuster of the year... It's like three weeks. It'll be like three weeks at the most, yeah. because the top spot's just... There's just so many cycling through. Right. <coughs> the budget was probably pretty cheap, actually. I bet the budget was very reasonable. Yeah, and then it, it made... Um, this is so funny. It made a huge hit because it made $186 million at the U.S. box office over the course of its run. Wow. Which is what probably Thor made in a week. Opening day. Yeah. A uh, budget of $44 million. I love that we're, we're comparing everything in this movie to Thor Ragnarok. I'm yeah, just... I think that's, that's how you do it. Yeah, <laughs> That's a sign of a good movie review. Thor has a beard in this one. Oh, in yeah, Thor Ragnarok. that's true. So when they say, hey. How do they recognize it was Thor, even? Yeah, because it's like, wait, I'm looking for a god of thunder. And he says, well, that's who I see every time I look in the mirror, except I have this beard, except of course. I have course. this beard now, and I have short hair. Yeah. He has long hair. Uh, 44 million budget, 368 million worldwide box office. 44 million, which 30 million was Harrison Ford salary. Probably. <laughs> yeah, probably. Okay. Yeah, that was, that was. I wonder what that's adjusted for. It's still not that much, even adjusted for today's dollar. I wonder. This isn't yeah. like the Wiz- Wizard of Oz or something. Oh it's yeah, like it made a trillion dollars. <laughs> yeah. Back then, movie tickets were only a penny. <laughs> right. Uh, you get Jane Lynch and Julianne Moore here. Wait, wait. Before that, how did Harrison Ford survive the fall? They they Just have luck, a, a cop literally say, that's one in a million to survive that. Yeah. And it started making me think, yeah, that is a pretty bad drop. 
Yeah. How I mean, did he? He wasn't even injured. He just was. He just was. He made it. Well, let, maybe this is backstory we didn't see. He's very fit. <laughs> he yeah. jumps off the train. Yeah. So, we, so this is twice now we've seen him jump off something. Okay, he's good at jumping. He stays fit by swimming and diving. And when he he dove off the the dam, it look it's a doll. It's like yeah, straight up a doll. It is. And one of the legs like bends backwards or something. Yeah, and it's just so flailing. It looks, like, it looks yeah, it's just flailing doll. It's not even a dive like <laughs> off a high dive. It's like a crash test dummy they threw off. <laughs> it, it really is. So I don't know if that that holds up as well, but it's it's close Let's enough. Let's go over that. He's for a hobby to stay fit. He dives and uh-huh. swims, mm-hmm. and just l- luckily the water was deep enough. And I've always heard that it's when you hit the water that kills you, but... Right. If you watch the, any, any documentary about the Golden Gate Bridge, yeah. it seems like this is as high as that, right? Yeah. You're not drowning. And all those people are dying from hitting the water. Yeah. It's like jumping on concrete at a certain velocity. Maybe or, because or uh, the water was churning at the bottom. That right. was like a cushion. Okay. Or maybe, let's go back to the trauma. He survived the tra- He was in such shock from such a stressful moment the adrenaline and the shock he he just survived because he his body went into survival mode yeah and he was just relaxed his limbs were none of his tendons were tight mm-hmm. how did richard kimball survive the fall <laughs> so they don't really address that at all here is from the straight dope message board um this guy has the same questions we do. This was in Tapico, Graham County, North Carolina. It's called the Chio Dam. Uh, this, uh, it's 225 feet high. Okay. That sounds high. It does. It sounds very high to me. I have no concept of any of this. <laughs> I have no concept of height. Well, a ladder is about 12 feet. Is that about right? Yeah. And that's pretty high. So it's higher than a ladder. The Golden Gate Bridge is 220 feet. Okay. And people die from falling off it. And their hips shatter and stuff. The people yeah. that survive have broken legs, broken <laughs> hips, broken shoulders. Yeah, they don't just immediately get up and then... <laughs> Start running. Okay, I may, I may have had a point. The churning water does not have the same surface tension oh, of the smooth water. That's true. So it's, it's water and air. Oh, Okay. Okay, I buy that. That's so fine. that's what it is. Yeah, it's, it's surface tension. We'll just go with that. Based on a random commenter on a message board from that's 2007. good enough for me. Yeah, it's the bubbles. He was saved <laughs> by bubbles. So babyface Julianne Moore. Yeah. And babyface, who's uh, the other Jane one? Jane Lynch. Jane Lynch. Oh, yeah. She, they were both real young. Tommy yeah. Lee Jones even looked babyface to me in this. Yeah, that was kind of weird. Maybe I've seen, as a kid, I thought of... Just this old, old man. Like, literally the oldest man in the world. The oldest man in the world. And now watching it, I thought, wow, look how young he looks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. Which is an odd thing. I thought that, too. <laughs> so, uh, younger than Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, what? What? Yeah, he's, he's a bit younger than Harrison. He's younger? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. He is born in 1946. Harrison Ford, 42. Okay. Jeez. Stay out of the sun, kids. I know. What's his deal? Is he a yeah. smoker? I, I don't know. Being a cowboy out on, out on his <laughs> Must ranch? Must be cowboy stuff. Yeah, it's cowboy stuff. Cowboys do get weathered. Yeah. From, from herding animals and stuff. The wind and the sun and yeah. the sand. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, 
so these these were no names at the time. Julianne Moore was because she kind of has a bit part. She's not in it very much. Yeah, she has two or three lines. And then um, Jane Lynch, same with her. She has two separate scenes where she has about two lines yeah. each. So we get a couple fake outs where the U.S. Marshals storm in and arrest someone who's not Harrison Ford. <laughs> they get the other guy. Uh, Simply Red goes deaf from. I want to talk about that scene really into his ear. I want to talk about that scene because you were talking about how, how how tight this movie is as far as storytelling. That was the one scene I was a little puzzled why it yeah. was in the film. Because it was just a fake out, and but what what was the point of that? Was a fake we're, out, we're, but it was only fake out. It was only fake out for a second because you quickly yeah. realize this is the other guy that escaped from yeah. the train. We're supposed to be tense, thinking they've they've they got found, the drop on him, right? And so once you realize that, is it showing that that Tommy Lee Jones is willing to kill, so to to put Harrison Ford's character in more danger, so you know, like, oh, this this is a cop that'll just that must be it. We'll just shoot Harrison Ford on the spot, which he kind of does later. Yeah, it, yeah, it raises the stakes, and then he does this thing of uh, I don't bargain. Is that, okay. That's what he says when he's saying, you shot that gun right. in my ear and now right. I'm deaf forever. And he goes, I don't bargain. So I guess it was just raising the stakes to show that, you know, it's like in a movie where the bad guy kills his henchman. Right. I guess. That was the, yeah, the good guy equivalent. Yeah, it was. But it was a dark moment. It was the first moment where you're like, oh, this guy's yeah. got some demons. Um, eating oranges and making fake IDs. What? So, okay, why did Harrison Ford call his, his lawyer? Why did he do any of these things? Be- because when he's a s- the, f- the first call, is it the, first, is it the call to the lawyer that they record? On the payphone, yeah. And they figure out the train? Why did he do that at all? Because he says, I'm in Cleveland. But, the, they, thought the he was, but saying, they thought he was dead. Oh, yeah. He had just, just gotten away from the waterfall. So the first thing he does is this really goofy plan to, to throw them off his trail. But they could have just, they're going to assume he's dead probably. I guess he, he doesn't want to take that risk, though. Okay. So he thinks by saying I'm in Cleveland, he's thinking they'll all pack up and fly away, and then there's no one in Chicago looking for him at all. Okay. I guess. <laughs> that seems like a pretty basic plan. Like, if you're this team of U.S. Marshals with all this experience, mm-hmm. like, all right, everybody to Cleveland. <laughs> right. So I, th- I thought that was odd, what, what he was doing. Surely he never would have suspected that we'd know about his lawyer. All right, what else do I have? Uh, then we've got the, the one-armed purple man, Hinky. We discussed what the meaning of the word Hinky is. Yeah, well, that's, that's a, a, perfect scene, a perfect scene showing the com- camaraderie between the team. That's what I like, stuff like that, because it's just like a quick moment. They kind of are, are, are debating something real quick or yeah. arguing, and it's kind of playful. So those were really nice touches, even though that's such a goofy, that Hinky scene. Yeah. Why do you say Hinky? Why can't you say weird? Yeah. Hinky, uh, it's Hinky. Yeah. No, I, I like that. Uh, let's see. Undercover boss janitor is what I have. So once Harrison <laughs> oh, starts yeah. sneaking, so this, so is this his hospital? It, it is, right? Yeah. He's a janitor in his own hospital. And all I could think of was this show that on, <laughs> called Undercover Boss yeah. that I think is the goofiest show ever where they t- take the boss of a company and they do some Sherlock Holmes, like secret disguise, rubber nose and yeah. fake mustache. And it always looks insane and ridiculous. Yeah. So th- there's a new guy. He's coming to work. He, he has a camera crew following him. And then yeah. he has a really long, he's, he's 60, but has a real long black goatee yeah. and weird glasses and a big, huge wig. And then he shows up and he says, so what do you think of the boss? Right. Huh? As I know it's my first day and I've got a camera crew, but uh, 
<laughs> right. And so these scenes with Harrison Ford, <clears throat> just in a janitor outfit, there must have been so many people in the hospital that said, why is Dr. Richard Kimball walking around yeah. disguised as a janitor? Yeah. But it's like none of them had ever seen him before. He's, yeah, so he's going to find a list of one-armed guys. I did like the roller skating nurse, by the way. Yeah, the roller skating nurse is good. He kept showing up in a bunch of different scenes. Yeah. Um, here's something that's always confused me. Okay. Is uh, Tommy Lee Jones shoots at him through bulletproof glass. Right. Um, gives him this look. What does that look say? He fires like three bullets, then he has this look. And is the look saying, get up and get out of here? Or is it saying, like, damn it, I'm trying to shoot you? I took those shots as being trying to shoot him. Yeah. He doesn't bargain. He doesn't give up. He doesn't care. Yeah, and it does... It seems like a big risk to shoot at someone, not trying to... Like, shooting at their head and then thinking, I hope this bulletproof glass stops this. Yeah. Like, he could have easily blown his brains out. Yeah. So I just thought... That's, it goes back to the dark side I was talking about. Like, I thought that was unnecessary. I didn't know why they were shooting at him. He's just running. Yeah, do you, he, are he you allowed to use deadly force on, I, on I, that situation? I'm not sure. I kind of think that's against procedure, but I, I'm not sure. Well, then we get Harrison Ford in his St. Patrick's Day hat, which is the best thing ever. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, lo- I love that it's such a serious scene, too. Yeah. And I kept thinking, he's wearing this tiny little green This tiny bowler. plastic hat and just frantic. Yeah. and Yeah. Going into the parade. Uh, yeah, those are, that's a nice touch. Yeah. How much time elapsed in this whole movie? Because he cuts off his beard, dyes his hair dark, like, brown. Yeah. But then the last half of the movie, his hair's grown out, and it's back to kind of gray. That's true. That might just be a continuity gaffe. I, that's what I thought, but then I, I also thought maybe they're intentionally trying to make you think a few months have gone by. Is this yeah, like a week? Gets, uh, or is this like two months or I six months? I mean, he goes months? and gets an apartment. He does all this investigation. Right. But the U.S. Marshals, they have to go have that little side trip to get the other guy. Right. So this has to be... I had the impression it was a few months or yeah. even like a year. Yeah, that makes sense that it's a while. He borrows money from his buddy who turns out is the bad guy. Yeah, let's get into, <laughs> let's get into this weird convoluted plot. Yeah, so of, I don't of, get of it. Why. So it's, it's something about liver damage. So there's a, there's a, a pharmaceutical company... Yeah. That it has a new drug, and they're testing it through the hospital, and one of Harrison Ford's colleagues has been faking the results of the cancer test, or I mean the, the medication tests, and switching the, the liver samples, because this miracle drug actually kills, your, kills patients' livers. Yeah, it causes liver damage. They're switching out samples. And then, and I'm not sure where, and then Harrison Ford wouldn't take a kickback. He wouldn't take like a free trip to the Bahamas or something. Now, why didn't he mention this in the <laughs> initial phase here? What do you mean? Like, oh, yeah, they did uh, this pharmaceutical company. Because you'd have to think the cops are going to ask, can you think of anyone that had beef with you or your wife? Well, what was their problem? What did he do? That's what I wasn't sure why they were trying to kill his wife or him. Were they trying to kill his wife? They were trying to kill him. But why? I, di- I, I didn't pick that up. I was watching intently and I didn't pick up on it. Or I, I missed the line or something. I mean, maybe he didn't know the extent of what was happening. So he's like, oh, this drug causes liver damage. Uh-huh. And these guys are thinking, well, we're still going to go through with it. And at that point, he's going to come forward and say, no, this causes liver damage. So let's just kill him. 
So maybe they didn't even try to buy him off. Because that would have tipped him off if someone tried to buy him off. And he can't be bought off is what they kind of showed, that he was a straight shooter, right? Yeah. I guess I just it just seems short-sighted because once the drug is on the market, it's just going to kill a bunch of people and then get pulled off the market. So I'm not sure. And they're going to open themselves up to huge lawsuits. So I'm not sure why they want to rush through a drug that actually kills people. You might make a, a little bit of money initially, but yeah. you're going to be in a. You might go to jail. <laughs> you know that's that's true, um, it, but it, it's also possible we have way too optimistic a view of the pharmaceutical and medical industry. Uh, okay, we're sitting here thinking it's absurd. What? Why would a corporation do anything like this? <laughs> what? What are you talking about? That's true. That's true. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's, uh, that's, that, it doesn't even really matter why they're trying to kill him. He figures it out. I like, I like that Tommy Lee Jones comes around. Yeah, he kills uh, the one-armed man kills the janitor from Scrubs. <laughs> is that, is that, oh, yeah, that's yeah. what that is, huh? There's an episode of Scrubs where he's watching The Fugitive. Oh, really? <laughs> and he's, like, freaked out. <laughs> janitor! Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um. Does he do a face point when he goes and confronts Nichols at the conference? When he just barges into the I room? I think he does. That's a nice moment. Yeah. And that's all the evidence you need. I mean, I'm, that, that's that. If you were in this situation, what would you do? The way he, he's very even-handed with the way he deals with these people. These people murdered his wife, and mm-hmm. he, he just wants them brought to justice. The, the one-armed yeah. guy, he, he handcuffs him <laughs> so the cops can take him away. He could have blown his brains out. He had two yeah. guns in that scene. Yeah. He could have shot him like ten times. And then he could have walked right into that conference and just shot that other surgeon. You know what he does? I mean, he's, he's just doing Spider-Man stuff. What do you mean? I mean, that's what Spider-Man would have done. Left the criminal just tied up for the cops to find later. <laughs> and then... And Spider-Man's a fugitive, too. He's kind of a vigilante. That's true, yeah. The police are after him. Yeah. So that Spider-Man would have tied the guy up. So instead of until Thor... Until the cop came by. Yeah. So instead of comparing this to Thor, we should be comparing it to Spider-Man. Yeah. And then Spider-Man would have... Uh, he wouldn't have maybe confronted him at a press event, but he would have found a way to sneak the information into the bugle. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then I just, I'm just curious if you would... If, at this point, does Richard think he's going to be exonerated by all this stuff, or is it literally just justice, and it's not revenge? Because he's going into this... Is he going in there to kill that guy? Because he, he must know the police are going to come. It just seems like... He would kind of have nothing to lose getting revenge. He's already a fugitive that yeah. has the death penalty, and there's no reason to think that, that he's going to go free if they, you know. I can see the motivation of you don't, you don't want to be known as a guy that killed your wife when you would never do that. Right. <clears throat> so it's not just vengeance. He's not just going to kill him and then go keep hiding. Because if he does that, the world still thinks Richard Kimball killed his wife. Mm-hmm. And that's not something I'd want to live with. Right. So, yeah, he needs to be exonerated. So that's his mission. Yeah. He, re- he thinks this is going to exonerate me. He needs his name cleared, yeah. Yeah, all those things. All those things are true. There's just, I just kept thinking you might be a little more vengeful. But I guess it, there's scene after scene showing what a great guy he is. And like, he's very he, smart, very lo- yeah. competent. But even though he's on the run, he'll stop and, and help. Like the, he takes a big risk. With that kid in the hospital, oh yeah, changing yeah. the diagnosis of the other doctor, yeah. and being like, this kid needs to go into emergency <laughs> surgery. Like yeah. that's a huge risk to get caught, and just to show us, it's which is it's probably also why they didn't have him uh, have a, a bad relationship with his wife. 
Because yeah. you want, as an audience, you want to be rooting for him 100%. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you, you can't have, you're not going to have the most beloved star in movies at the time. Yeah. And even put any sort of shadow over that character. Yeah. So. I like that Nichols, this old, you know, middle-aged evil doctor, mm-hmm. he, he can throw a punch. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking, is these two are fist fighting. Yeah. And he knocks out a U.S. Marshal. And these are, these are two middle-aged, nerdy surgeon guys. Yeah. So it would be much more... It wouldn't be as a heroic a fight. I can't even imagine them really fist fighting, but this is, this is some serious fist fighting. Yeah. <laughs> have you seen U.S. Marshals, the sequel? There's a, that's film? what that is? I yeah. think I have. But Harrison Ford's not in it. Is it like Wesley Snipes yeah, or something? Yeah, it's Wesley Snipes that they're going But it's Tommy early. Lee Jones in it, right? Yeah, and then Robert Downey Jr.'s in it. And it was the height of his like drug problems. Low point. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It was the, the height of his. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but he's pretty funny. I, I saw it. I remember. A, I think I saw it too. But I don't. Losing Harrison Ford's a big blow to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Wesley Snipes is about as close as you're going to get they to, ha- to replacing Harrison Ford. They could have easily made a fugitive too with Harrison Ford. So this is what, what you do. After the, the end of the movie, Tommy Lee Jones and Harrison Ford are in the backseat of the, the police car, and, he ta- and Tommy Lee Jones takes off his handcuffs, and then two of the other fun-loving cops get in, and they drive off, right? What you have, then you have the, the closing credits. Then you do, like, the Marvel movies, since we're talking about Marvel movies anyway. After the credits, you have a shot of him back in trial where they, he still is found guilty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it ends with him going back to jail. Yeah. Then you've set up Fugitive 2. Or he's found guilty for all the other stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stealing that's Stealing an do. old man's clothes. Oh, he did a lot of crimes. Um, impersonation of a medical professional. That's got to be a crime. Oh, yeah, probably a felony. Well, wait, but he is a doctor. Yeah, but, he, nah, but, but somehow, somehow it works. He did lots of stuff that was illegal. He I mean, sto- he stole, just stealing an ambulance is probably enough to put you in jail. Sure, yeah, he, car, grand theft ambulance. <laughs> he stole an ambulance. That crime for sure. I'm, and I'm sure... Surely he lost his medical license. Yeah. During the murder trial, too. Probably, so, yeah, so he was, so that's impersonating a medical professional, which is probably a crime. That's probably a, a big deal, <laughs> especially because of what he did. Yeah. Changing a diagnosis and put it, he sent a kid into surgery. Yeah, and, and it worked out. It worked but, out, uh, but that's, that's still something you don't want people doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, assault, you know, false arrest, false imprisonment mm-hmm. for tying up the one-armed man. And there's going to be the making the fake ID is probably probably some sort of forgery or yeah, fraud. Yeah, or forgery, fraud, identity theft. Like, he's going away for a long time after, after the film. Yeah. Like he's, not, he's not going free. That is really interesting, though. I wonder, really, what would happen <sighs> if this happened in real life. It would probably be such a media circus that they would just decline to prosecute. Yeah. Like, oh, we, we can't deal with this. Right. But... The fact is, he did commit crimes. A bunch of them. A bunch of little crimes. So I wonder what the procedure would be. You can't just not charge him with these things. You can't not charge him with stealing an ambulance just because... Just because the... Yeah, just because this... Because that's a separate issue. Even being a fugitive is a crime just on its own. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now, would, would, would the trial... So the trial... Like, he, like went, he went through the trial. Yeah. And he got, he got sentenced. Yeah. Is that now, that's another aspect. Is that now just, he's still going to go back to jail just for that, right? 
Or are they going to allow... The, oh, I guess it's going to be... He's got to go back to... New not, evidence has come up, right? Tommy Lee Jones isn't going to go drop him off at his house. Yeah. Which he probably doesn't have a house anymore. Right. But it's been so, a year. No, he's going to... He is going to have to go back to jail, and they're going to have to do a new trial. Right. So he's going straight back to jail. Right. And then that could be a very long process. There's got to be evidence. There's got to be lawyers. Yeah. Because it's not just, well, he showed up at the banquet and made some accusations, and he had a, a file... With proof in it. So he's gonna, They're going to have to review that before a court. So just, just getting his, his trial thrown out will be one thing, but then prosecuting these other people is a whole other thing. Yeah. He's got to prove that they killed his wife now. He's looking at months in jail <laughs> as they do this. Right. And then, yeah, escaping. And the, All not, these things we just listed are crimes. And, and it's not like he's just going to get his medical license back just because he got yeah. out of this, this, sque- like, this tough spot. Then he's going to have to sue to get that life insurance policy. Yeah. I'm sure they didn't give it to him. And by now he needs it for his, his lawyers. Yeah. He's probably broke. So, he, yeah. So he's going to be trying to get, it's going to take months to try to get the life oh, insurance policy of his wife. Oh, that's going to be a tooth and nail fight. Yeah, things aren't looking good for Dr. Richard Kimball. So I guess, well, that's why he's not end. in U.S. Marshals is because they moved on to another. Because he's in prison. And he's still dealing with all this. He's in prison. Yeah. Okay. He only has one friend to lend him money. Uh-huh. And that's Dr. Nichols, the bad guy. Right, that right there, there's going to be a lot of accusations that everybody was dirty. Oh, man. If they're going to take down those other crooked doctors, they're going to take yeah. Richard. It's going to be like uh, the Black Sox. Oh, yeah. Where it's, it's like the... Watergate, Black yeah. Sox, everyone. It's like you, get, you were part of this world. Serpico. You're, you're going to get sucked into it. Yeah. Yeah, Serpico. <laughs> wow. So it's a sad ending that he goes back to jail and probably gets executed, but that's, that's just the way it is, man. Yeah, I mean, at least we got this happy little moment. Yeah, in the car yeah. that was kind of premature. Yeah. You assume that's the ending, but the real ending is so dark they couldn't show it in theaters. No, no one's in it. That's not going to win any Oscars. <laughs> it's so not going to be a big hit six weeks in a row. So besides Tommy Lee Jones' supporting actor, what, what else? Was there any other Oscars? This is a good movie, man. Um, it's 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, wow. Uh, let's see what else. Nominated for Best Picture, Best Cinematography, Best Film Editing, Best Original Score, Best Sound, and Best Sound Editing. Oh, wow. So it won for Tommy. Uh, it won the... Well, the score won the ASCAP Film and Television Music Awards. Okay. British Academy Film Awards won for Best Sound. Well, this is boring. Nominated so, for a bunch of stuff. Okay. So this is clear, clearly the high point of the career of the director. The train about. wreck won Best Action Sequence at the MTV Movie Awards, and they also won Best On-Screen Duo, Harrison and Tommy. I think I actually watched that. I did. I, did, I, did. I watched all those. I remember then. it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So this is inspired by a true story. What? Sam Shepard is a neurosurgeon in 1954. Okay. Convicted of the murder of his wife. No. Uh, prolonged, extensive nationwide media coverage. Wow. Nationwide. Yeah. So he's a guy in Cleveland, suburb of Cleveland. Is that why they said Cleveland? Is that a little nod? Oh, maybe it was. What city are you in, Cleveland? So it's 1954. Uh, They're having a party at their lakefront home, entertaining friends. It's the night before, it's 4th of July, basically, early morning, 4th of July. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, they're on Lake Erie. The friends go home. Oh, they're watching a movie. So he must, I mean, he's a neurosurgeon. 
a movie. Watching a movie in 1954 yeah. wasn't super easy. Oh, yeah, that, that's uh, old-fashioned, reel-to-reel type. Uh, yeah. So he falls asleep in the living room. His wife uh, walks the neighbors out. He's still asleep. Um, and she was bludgeoned to death in her bed. While he was sleeping downstairs. While he's sleeping downstairs. Some items from the house, his wristwatch, uh, his keys, and his fraternity ring seemed to have been stolen, but then they found them in a bag just, like, tucked away in the bushes. Oh. Giving the appearance that maybe he his, staged right. a burglary. Um, it said he was sleeping soundly when he heard the cries from his wife, ran upstairs, saw a guy in the room who then knocked him unconscious. Okay. He came to, saw the person downstairs, chased him out to the beach where they fought in the surf, <laughs> where he was again knocked out, and he woke up in the lake. <laughs> so he woke up like, like half in the lake. Okay. Um, called the neighbor, urging him to come to his home. When the neighbor arrived, they found Shepard shirtless. His pants were wet, bloodstains all over him. Called the neighbor? Yeah. Not police? Yeah, not police. Cops or, arrived. Or 911 just for an ambulance. Um, he seemed disoriented and in shock. Uh, the family dog was not heard barking. Okay. I mean, you know, how Tugboat yeah, he's, barks goes, as goes soon as... bonkers. Yeah. Uh, no, the dog didn't bark, and their seven-year-old son, who was asleep in the adjacent bedroom to where the murder happened, just slept through the whole thing. It was not looking good. Someone breaking in, beating her to death. Yeah. Stealing things and not stealing them. This, this has a... Yeah. You could do... But, I mean, you could describe the uh, Richard Kimball situation... Kind of similarly. No, it's exactly it. It's exactly it's, Richard Kimball's situation. It's interesting because just yeah. hearing this, it just sounds like total bullshit. It sounds totally staged. Um, the press immediately attacked him. Okay. Headlines, why isn't Sam Shepard in jail? <laughs> Headline, quit stalling and bring him in. <laughs> Do it, Dr. Gerber. Dr. Gerber was the coroner. Like, you know, okay. uh, just say that he did it. Um, a, a judge later said, if ever there was trial by newspaper, this is the perfect example. Uh, the Cleveland press, for some reason, took upon itself Just the role of accuser, it. judge, and jury. So every day during the trial, they're running fake news. Wow. Actual fake news. Wow. I mean, this is the 50s. Yeah. Which I'm saying that like it's any different now. Who the fuck knows? <laughs> Pardon my language. Uh, they're running salacious front page stories inflammatory to Shepard, which had no supporting facts and were later disproved. Wow. Um, a radio show broadcast a report about a woman who claimed to be his mistress and the mother of his Ill- illegitimate child. And then the jury wasn't sequestered, so they just heard all this. And two of the jurors later admitted that they heard all this stuff. Wow. Um, so they were totally contaminated. It was a carnival atmosphere. Uh, the prosecution's theory was that, uh, well, he was having an affair with a nurse at his hospital. And he actually was? Okay. Yeah. Um, so the prosecution said that was the motive. Get rid of the wife? Yeah. Um, oh, boy. There's so much stuff going on. He probably did it. I don't know. <laughs> it kind of sounds like he did. Um, so there's no direct evidence, but uh, other than that he was in the house and there wasn't signs of a break-in, um, he couldn't give any description of the intruder, just that he was a guy. Uh, he got knocked unconscious twice. Can that happen? I don't know. It sounds weird. Um, there was no sand in his hair, though he claimed to be on the beach. His missing T-shirt, maybe that was covered in blood. <coughs> yeah, where was the... Because he, he got t- knocked out and woke up naked. The guy took, his, sh- the guy took his shirt, yeah. according to him? 
I guess. Or in the <laughs> fight, like maybe they're fighting and the guy grabs a shirt and rips it. And, <laughs> okay. Um, why would a burglar take the belongings and then ditch them outside the house? And also those belongings weren't even yeah, a watch. that big a deal. Yeah. Okay. Um, so all staged, no murder weapon was ever found. Um, and then he just hit the road? He escaped? Uh... <laughs> his defense lawyers, it sounds like, were also really terrible. <laughs> but they were denied access to the evidence by the judge, so they couldn't examine the evidence themselves and counter it. Is that legal? Um, no. No, it's not. And later, the judge said, <laughs> during the trial, the judge said, oh, he's guilty as hell. <laughs> it's not something you want to hear. Yeah. Um, he took a stand of his own event, saying he was sleeping downstairs, and his wife cried out his name. Is that where they got this idea? Just like this, this whole, Richard, this, he's killing Richard, me. Richard, he's killing me. Um, uh-huh. I charged into our room. I saw a form. That's so funny that he says he saw a form. Yeah, like, okay. like it, maybe it was a, some like sort a, of beast. A, a ghost or something? Yeah. Poltergeist? Uh they, they did find that he had a concussion, a nerve injury, and, and that kind of stuff. So what, what did he do, though? Did he escape? Did he get arrested and then, and then go on the run? Um, no, he, he was found guilty of, of murder, sentenced to life in prison. Um, his mom committed suicide. His father wow. died 11 days later. Oh, wow. He took part in cancer studies by voluntarily allowing them to inject cancer cells into his body. Holy this is while in prison. <laughs> so, again, the 50s. In the just, 50s, that was fun. experimenting on prisoners. <laughs> uh, his father-in-law committed suicide. Wow. So he finally gets these appeals. It takes forever. Um, F. Lee Bailey, who is O.J.'s lawyer, takes over the case, eventually gets up to the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. who, you know, revealed that the trial was just a circus. Um, so he serves 10 years of his life sentence. He's exonerated. Well, yeah, here's the judge's quote. He's guilty as hell, no question about it. He told that to a newspaper reporter during the trial. Before the trial was yeah, over. Yeah, so, so that got him exonerated. Or I don't even know if he's exonerated. They're just basically, it's a mistrial. Right. You did not get a fair trial. Mm-hmm. So it's not really a ruling of innocence. But he's also probably guilty. It's kind of weird. Um, sounds like a strange story. Three days after his release, he gets married <laughs> to someone who was his pen pal. Um. His wife, uh, Ariane, Arian, his wife's name is Arian. Okay. Tebin Johans. The one that was killed or his new one? His new wife, his new three-day wife. Okay. Goes through a little bit of her own con- controversy um, when it's revealed that her sister was the wife of Goebbels, the, the Nazi propaganda chief. What, really? Joseph Goebbels, yeah. But, you what? Know, yeah, so that's <laughs> like, just kind of a weird That's kind of a, a curveball. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> well, it's going to get curvier. So, yeah, so, so they throw out the first case, and then there actually is a retrial. So they do retry him for the murder. Okay. And again, just... Just like Harrison Ford's character. Yeah, it's going through. It's yeah. going through, for yeah. sure. Um, lack of the murder weapon, um, nothing directly linking it. Uh, the lawyer dismissed the prosecution's case as 10 pounds of hogwash in a five-pound bag, oh. which is classic. Classic. Um, he did not take the stand this time, which was a good idea. Uh, the jury was sequestered, which was a good idea. And basically, you know, it's beyond a, re- a reasonable doubt. I don't think anyone is saying, yes, he's innocent, but there's not enough evidence to convict him. It's such think, an so. interesting, yeah, it's such a, a fine line. So I'm getting this off his Wikipedia page. I'm going to read you some of the uh, section headers of Wikipedia. <laughs> okay. 
So Sam Shepard, Early Life and Education, Murder of Marilyn Reese Shepard, First Trial, Prosecution's Theory, Defense Strategy, Verdict, Appeals, Retrial, Professional Wrestling Career. <laughs> what? He became a professional wrestler? So he's acquitted and then uh, becomes professional wrestler, Killer Sam Shepard. What? And he goes by Killer? Yep. Calls himself Killer. Does a bunch of tag team bouts, wrestles about 40 matches. Wow. Here's a fun footnote. Using his anatomical knowledge, he developed a new submission hold, the mandible claw, <laughs> which is a famous move now. Wow. That's mankind's finishing move, uh -huh. where you stick your hand in their mouth <laughs> until they die, well, until they pass out. <laughs> I didn't see that coming either. Professional wrestler. Yeah, became a professional wrestler. Died uh, in 1970 at age 46. Oh, young. How'd he die? Um... Let's see, he got married for a third time. Oh, this is, this is pretty good. 46 is young. So six, six months before his death, he married Colleen Strickland. Towards the end of his life, he was reportedly drinking as much as two-fifths of liquor a day. Whoa! Uh, found dead of liver failure. Okay. Well, no, uh, yeah, liver failure or Wernick's encephalopathy, which is biochemical lesions in the brain caused by a thiamine deficiency. I'm guessing a thiamine deficiency is caused by Drink. drinking uh, a liter and a half of whiskey a day. That is, that's a lot. Wow. Um, in 1997, they, did, uh, they exhumed him and did DNA testing to try to clear his name. But I don't know what the results of that were. It was just... His son, it sounds like his son has devoted his entire life to trying to clear his name. Oh, uh, okay. I... So even as late as 1999, 40 years later, there's lawsuits going on. Um, Man, that's yeah. scary. You watch stuff like this movie, or if you watch <laughs> lots of Datelines, how these this one event will define everyone's entire lives. Oh, yeah. just has such an incredible impact. Do you feel like the movie showed enough grieving for, for Harrison Ford's wife, or was it just not the place for that type of stuff? Yeah, I think you just don't... I think a lesser movie would have done that, and you just don't need it. It's yeah. the fugitive. Yeah. Get to the fugitiving. Yeah. Get to the guy in the run. And just to like like... That's why it's really a good filmmaking, I feel like, is just those quick little beats, those one sentences. Establish what you need to know. And sure, they could have gone deeper, but, but mm -hmm. what's the point? It's an action movie. Yeah, it's true. It was very good at getting the gist across quickly like that. Mm -hmm. Like, okay. Even the way the opening credits were with the flash, it was showing the city and then these flashes of, of his wife being murdered. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. All right, cool. Yeah, great movie. Uh, so His performance. Harrison, what's what, that? What do you think of Harrison Ford's performance? I said, uh, I mentioned earlier on social media, which I mentioned I need to quit last week. No, I haven't done so. I've just been ah, posting about The Fugitive. I see. Uh, I described it as the last time he gave a shit. Okay. Um, someone said, no, in Blade Runner he gives, I don't know about that. I don't know if he gives a shit in Blade Runner or Force Awakens. He's good. Well... He's good in both of those. He's, I thought he was pretty good in, in Blade Runner 2049. He's, he's good in both of those at Harrison Fording. Right. It didn't feel like much of a, a workout. Blade Runner felt like more, of, more acting than yeah. The Force Awakens. I don't know. He's good in that too, but it just doesn't... I don't know how to explain but it, it. It, it. It seems like he's kind of just on autopilot. Like he's just clocking in, right? It's like, look, I'm Harrison Ford. I'm wearing the outfit. Mm -hmm. 
I'm saying the, the one-liners. He doesn't really need I to... I mean, he's, he's great, and I love Force Awakens. But. Of course, but he doesn't really need to prove himself. He doesn't have to have yeah. an Oscar-worthy performance yeah. where he just really just destroys himself emotionally or, or whatever. After this, I mean, really not a lot of good films. I know. I was thinking about it, and it was really downhill after this. Like, very quickly. Very quickly. Like, the same way The Simpsons dropped off. Mm-hmm. Just dropped off the cliff. Right. Uh, Clear and Present Danger, that was pretty good. Yeah. Sabrina was a bomb. Air Force One, I guess. Get off my plane and all that. Yeah. Uh, six Days, Seven Nights, terrible. What Lies Beneath, yeah. maybe. All right. K-19, The Widowmaker, where oh, he's got a Russian accent. That one's great. Hollywood Homicide. <laughs> I know, by K-19 is when I really was, was thinking his career might be in trouble. And then there's tons of stuff I haven't even heard of. Paranoia. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Liam Hemsworth, Gary Oldman, Harrison Ford. It grossed $13 million and has a 6% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. I mean, Harrison Ford makes maybe one movie a year, and he's doing something called Paranoia? I don't know. Because you'd think after The Fugitive, you would have the pick of any movie in Hollywood. He must have been the top actor oh, of course still. He, did. he still yeah. probably gets a lot of stuff real early. I think after this, he wasn't... Who knows what's motivating him to make movies? Yeah. Like we always, we're always baffled when actors are in good actors are in bad movies, uh-huh. and maybe they don't care about the script. Maybe they just want money. They just want the money, or like, oh, this movie's it's only three weeks of work, and mm-hmm. it's in uh, it's in Hawaii. It's in Hawaii. Yeah. yeah. Michael Caine was in Jaws three, and they said, "Why did you do that?" And he <laughs> said, uh, "To build a new house." Yeah. Exactly. So who knows why he's, he's obviously not choosing these movies based on their great scripts. Yeah, I, I think about a Robert, or a, <laughs> not Robert Downey Jr. Oh, what's, what's the taxi driver? Robert De Niro. Oh, yeah. I was thinking about how his, his first half of his career is just like he's an artist, like artistic yeah. pieces. Like he, he, he gains all the weight in Raging Bull and stuff like that's unbelievable. Yeah. You know? He does the Christian Bale type stuff that Christian yeah. Bale does now. Yeah. Just extreme method acting. Yeah. But then you hit a point where he's just like, shit, they're, re- they're making Rocky and Bullwinkle movie? Okay, sign me up. Yeah. Oh, meet the, meet the parents? Sign me up. Yeah. Like, he, he will take anything now. And then he's in so many movies. Bad that Grandpa? Are, um, oh, God, yeah. This De, is De Niro's the... <laughs> in so many movies where the titles are like, I'm just going to name a bunch of random things, and I bet one in five of these guesses I'm making are a De Niro title. Mm-hmm. Like, Extreme Measures. <laughs> Dark justice. Right. Stuff like that. Like just generic movie and it's like maybe it's about a cop or a guy getting revenge. Yeah. So Dangerous Game. So at this point Harrison Ford had been in Star Wars. He'd done Raiders of the Lost Ark. He'd he was the number one box office star in the world. And I think about this time the number one box office star of all time. Yeah, I think He's made more so. money as an actor, I think, than any other actor, at least in the mid-90s. Yeah, his movies, I think, were the most. Like, the gross of his movies. So With he's, Star Wars and the Indiana Joneses, of course. But this is 20 years into his career at this point. Yeah. So maybe you do just, just think, well, this will get $3 million. I'll be in Thailand, where I've always wanted to visit. And I, yeah. don't, and I, don't, I, like, I know how to act now, so I don't really have to try. And I'm guessing he picks movies that don't, maybe don't require a lot of work. It's probably, yeah. The shooting schedule. Like, oh, well, I only have to be on set for a month. Yeah. It's a month. There's a lot of CGI in this. So it's just like The Force Awakens. How little of, the, of filming was he in? Yeah. He's only in, he's in it quite a bit, but there's huge, a good hour of the movie that he's not in it at yeah. all. 
versus Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, that must have taken a year of his life. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, it was worth it, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, do we want to say what else we're going to discuss for Harrison Ford Month? Yeah, sure. We should. Yeah, so you can watch these at home and follow along. Mm-hmm. We're going to do Witness. Witness? Great movie. Okay. Uh, regarding Henry, which I've never seen, mm-hmm. I'm worried it's going to make me sad. I think it is. I mean, we might have... Do we dare? Do we, do we want to make fun of really sad stuff? Yeah, so pe- pencil that one in. We might change our mind and do K-19 <laughs> The Widowmaker instead. Yeah, I was thinking that. Like really yeah. sad family drama or submarine thing where he's got a weird Russian a accent really, for no reason. Yeah, a pretty bad accent, too. Yeah. I remember okay. seeing him on a talk show promoting that movie, and the whole time he was just complaining that the character was Russian. <laughs> complaining? Yeah, he's telling like Her- or, uh, Conan O'Brien, but showing a clip, and Harrison saying, why did he have to be Russian? <laughs> why couldn't they have just made it an American? He, know, he knew he, he didn't nail that accent yeah. then. He knew. Um, but the last one, a movie we have talked about many, many times. I, both of us have only seen it once, but it is time to revisit it. All right. Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yes. So that's going to be week four of Harrison Ford Month. Excited. Witness something in week three. TBA for week three. (laughs) And there you go. All right. Cool. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. That was fun. I guess we're a movie podcast. I don't know. Uh, We talk about whatever we want. Yeah, Yeah, we're in charge. We're the bosses. Yeah. We're on the run. We can do what we want. Yeah. We got to dye our hair, grow some beards, shave some beards, and then point it out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know, uh, that Brighton Sampson guy, he doesn't normally wear a hat, <laughs> but I do. My name is Brighton As SLC. You can see. As, As you can see. I'm wearing a hat right now. I'm wearing a hat. <laughs> right. All right. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving.